This is Michael Badgley, and you're listening to the Chargers Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Chris Harry with you on a Week 9 edition of Chargers Weekly here on the new Chargers Podcast Network. Coming up, we'll get this week's opposing view from Green Bay, courtesy of Matt Schneidman of The Athletic. Marcus Grant of NFL Media also stops by with some Week 9 fantasy advice. But first, a Chargers Beat Writers Roundtable. We recap the week, plus a look ahead to Chargers Packers on Sunday. All right, Gil Manzano, Southern California News Group, Jeff Miller, LA Times, Daniel Popper, The Athletic. Another installment of the Beat Writers Roundtable as we enter Week 9 Chargers Packers, but we have to rewind to Chicago. Any subplots, any off the field subplots in Chicago, guys? You have a good time. We went to Lumonati's. Gil and I did. We got some deep dish pizza, which is pizza casserole. Can you can you do a comparison, Giordano's Lumonati's? So I I think I went to Giordano's like a while ago when I was like a teenager, and I was in Chicago for some reason. I don't particularly remember it. Lumonati's was really good. I got a recommendation from a friend who grew up in Chicago who told us to get sausage, spinach mix, and butter crust. Um, Gil wow. forced us to get a bigger pizza, wow. and we did, and he ate a lot, and I could not keep up. I was very full. It was delicious. We had some beers. He we threw had away a, a, a big slice of pizza. I didn't just, throw it away. Just a waste. I just it? left it on the table. Oh, you know, so waste. You think somebody came by and ate it? Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I didn't say, like, hey, throw this pizza pizza away. All I was telling the, wait- the waiter That's was just like, hey, like I'm, to me. I was just saying, hey, I'm, I'm finished here. If someone else wants some. Be my guest. But it was delicious. Yeah, Tales from the road. It was that, good. that spinach and yeah. spinach inside of the bread. Oh, yeah. oh my god! And the sauce. Oh, and Chicago cheese. man. It, it rained all Saturday yeah. though. Yeah, that was gross. That was some <laughs> of the grossest weather. But honestly, Sunday was perfect. Picture perfect. Weather. Picture I mean, perfect. Fall day in Chicago, yeah. and the Chargers eke one out against the Bears. This was a game. wasn't the prettiest of games, but That's a win is a win is a win for the Chargers. Yeah, I mean. It's funny because last week we were, we were sitting in the same spot saying they they went to Nashville and played well enough to win the game and they should have won the game. And then they go to Chicago and play poorly enough to lose the game, should have lost the game and win it. It's just like the exact opposite. But they caught a break. I mean, they've been waiting to catch a break all season. Eddie Pinero. And, and they finally catch a break and, and Keenan Allen oh, called man. it. He threw a piece of paper up in the air before Pinero kicked it. Those Eddie paper. chants were just brutal. Just Eddie, I Eddie. Know. And then I know. why left? Just yeah. 38-22 time of possession. If you do that against really any team, you're going to lose. Yeah. So the Chargers, they, they did get lucky in that regard. But, again, a win's a win. Now you got to put it together, and it's a, a bit of a change-up this week. Obviously, Shane Steichen, who we just heard from, going to be calling the plays now that Ken Wisenhut has been relieved of his duties. And I was impressed with Shane. I thought he, I thought he handled it well, and uh, it's still the unknown. We don't know what to expect fully with the play calling from a philosophical standpoint, but we'll see. Well, they have to run the ball. We know that. And I think uh, that's at the core of this whole thing is that they didn't run the ball. And, and last week we saw the first quarter was – that was not – I don't even know what you would describe the first quarter offensively it was last week. And, abysmal. Um, abysmal. Awful. awful. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was all those things and more. So, uh, And uh, I tweeted after that about the lack of creativity that caught some people's attention. About, and – to me, it just was like there's nothing. Nothing's changing. It's the same thing we've been watching for weeks, and nothing's happening. So I think at some point along the way, there, um, Anthony Lynn had just said, "Okay, we can't. Something's something has to change." And so, unfortunately, it cost uh, Ken Wisdom and his job. And that's that's the NFL. That's what happens. And so I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, what can they do? I have some different? adjectives. Abhorrent, anemic, <laughs> ineffective. Like, we get it. We like, get what? it. I'm just saying, what, I've covered a lot of bad football, a lot of bad offensive football. I've, I've been on four beats in my uh, journalism career thus far, and all four times I've had an offensive coordinator fired. Oh. Jets in 2016 with Chan Gailey, Jets 2017 with John Morton, Nate Hackett, who's now with the Packers last year in, in Jacksonville, and then. Uh, Ken Wisenhunt this year, so I, I've been around a lot of it. it. It's a it's a it's a really cruddy business in that in that regard. I mean, it's tough. And, they and say, the, the thin line, man. This was a team that was fifth in the right. league in offense last year. They yeah. were super balanced. That's why they won a lot right. of these yeah. games. Yeah. They didn't turn the football over. Right. And it's just amazing what a year. It's production. Nick. I mean, it's 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 a results driven business, and it's such a cliche, and you hear it so often in the NFL, but it's so true. Like if you go four or five weeks without producing. And it's the reason you're losing games. You're going to get fired. It doesn't matter if you're as respected a coach as Ken Wisenhunt. And that's the thing. It's like everyone in this building respects the hell out of Wiz, including Shane Steichen. 
Uh, but you're not producing, and, and you get fired, and that's how the NFL works. And it's more than just a running game. People keep talking about the running game, but it's been going on the whole year. You couldn't score a point in the second half in Detroit. Uh, you gave up leads against uh, the, the Texans and the Colts. Uh, games at home, you were down uh, 14-0 to the Steelers and the Broncos. So just the whole year, they've been out of sync, out of rhythm. So I know they won in Chicago, but I think for Coach Lane, he's like, you know, that's it. Yeah. You know, we got eight games to go. Why wait? Try to spark it. It's consistency, and that's what I think this team is looking for for the back half of the year. You're three and five, not the ideal record, but in an AFC that's essentially wide open. You're two games back of the Chiefs. You have five AFC West games to go. You're looking for any sort of spark you can get, and I think it starts with balance. Again, 38-22 time of possession is not going to get it done, and they need to see a change if they want to try to stack some wins together, I guess a very tough Green Bay team, guys. Yeah, they. Uh, this will be an. Ex- I think this is going to be an extremely difficult game to win, in part because the Packers are the Packers and they've been playing really well. They have already won at Kansas City. They won at Chicago and they won at Dallas, right? And they're going to play Sunday in essentially a home game for them. I mean, the crowd-wise, it's going to. It will not. It'll be like. It'll be like Pittsburgh again. It's going to be a Worse, dominant, a dominant Packer crowd. So. Uh, it, this is uh, the one thing. If you think about it, just if you look at you, you step back and just look at it from you kind of eliminate the names of who's playing. This is a, the Packers are going to try to go win on the road back to back weeks. You know, in Kansas City and Carson. In the league, it's hard to do that. This is not a league that it's, it's tough to do stuff like that. So there is that element to it. But the but the Packers are you know they're obviously a very good team and uh this is this is uh, you know i'm i'm surprised that it's only last time i looked it was three three and a half was the spread for the green band frankly i, I thought it'd be a lot more than that well yeah well you get you get three points you know for playing at home so like if, yeah. if they're playing in green bay it'd probably be a six and a half yeah. point spread but i mean the one interesting thing about just playing on the road it's like it's not just going to the stadium and, and facing an opposing crowd which obviously green bay won't have to do here um, but it's traveling. It's, yeah. it's getting, it's having to get on a plane on Friday, take the flight, the change in the in in the in the time zone, like all that kind of stuff factors in. Um, so the Packers are still going to have to get on a plane and fly to Carson, deal with the with the time change and all that kind of stuff. And they struggled in Arrowhead. They they were up 14-0, gave up seventeen unanswered points. The week before that, they were down I think ten and zero to the Oakland Raiders. So you know, I, I know the Packers are seven on one, but the last couple of weeks they've kind of been struggling. So like Jeff was saying, maybe. Uh, back-to-back a road trip, maybe the Chargers catch them at the right time. They have a good pass rush, but they've been a little uneven defensively. You bring it up with just giving up some points. Their secondary has been banged up a little bit. I think they're getting some guys back. Devontae Adams could be back. But this has the, the makings of a potential shootout. You know, whenever you have Aaron Rodgers on the other side, prepare for having to score a lot of points. Last time these guys played, Philip Rivers set a career high in completions, attempts, and passing yards with 503. I don't think it's going to be that uh, because the Chargers, they have to run the football. And we saw glimpses, right? That 19-yard touchdown by Melvin Gordon, it's a very small sample size, but it, it's, it goes back to what he was the past couple of years. And you just hope you can get that consistent Melvin starting in week nine. Well, it's, I mean, Phil said it best at his press conference yesterday and on Wednesday. You know, now is about the time where he would have done a full training camp. This is about the amount of time he's been back. Right. And now you're starting to see the flashes of him putting it all together. But I think we said this last week, like you miss training camp. It's really hard to get yourself in shape to play without being on the field and playing in preseason games and being in practice every single day and playing football. And so he's taking these last four weeks to try and get himself ready to play. Usually you're doing that during the preseason and training camp. And I think you're now starting to see him, especially with the vision. That was the big thing about that 19-yard run. Uh, you know, the production overall wasn't great, but you saw him make a jump cut into a hole. You saw him break a couple tackles. Those are things that we hadn't seen until that run. Uh, and now what you're asking him to do is, okay, don't just have one 19-yard run. Give us three, four of those and put up the 100-yard game that everyone's waiting for you to put up. Five touches for Austin Echo last week, too. And that's something that has to change, whether it's getting him the ball in space as a receiver, giving him more touches as a runner. He has been the most dynamic weapon on this offense through the first eight weeks. It, it mean, And that goes for Keenan Allen. Hunter Henry coming back the last three weeks has been awesome. But Austin has been really the, the straw that stirs the drink, right? Even with limited touches, it makes an impact. He had the game-winning touchdown in Chicago. Uh, almost had the game-winning touchdown in Nashville. He got overturned. Uh, game-winning touchdown and and. Week one. So whenever Austin Eckler has the ball, good things happen, especially in, in crunch time. So 
you got to find ways to give him the ball more, and you got to somehow do it with Melvin Gordon on the field. It, it, the crazy part, mm-hmm. a year ago, that was their strength. Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, and now this year is kind of their weakness. It's kind of a strange thing to say, especially the way Austin Eckler's been playing the whole year. Yeah, yeah, we've seen it work the first half of last year until Melvin got hurt in London. They were, they were as dynamic as any pair of backs in the league, and, and so it does work. We've seen it work. It's just a matter of, of how, how they can make it work, and maybe – with a new voice in, in, involved now this week, and maybe with Anthony having a little more influence, maybe maybe we'll see it again. I don't know, but it's it's certainly it's something this team desperately needs. It's and it's it's never when you fire somebody, it's not, you're never going to point to one thing. But you look at the stat sheet, and that's the thing that jumped out to me was you know Austin Eckler only had three targets and three carries and only five touches because he only caught two of those passes. I mean that guy has carried your offense, and yeah. and you have to find a way to get him the ball. And, and I know the Chargers view it as okay. Balance doesn't necessarily mean getting him more carries, getting Eckler more carries, but balance certainly means getting him touches. You know, it doesn't really matter if they hand the ball off to him or if they shovel, give him a shovel pass and a jet sweep or if they give him a ball in the check down, but the ball's got to be in his hands. And the one interesting thing that Anthony Lynn said on Monday was that, you know, teams are starting to game plan for Austin Eckler. He's no longer this unsung guy that can go out and put up big numbers. Like, he's the type of guy now that that opposing defensive coordinators are saying, okay, we got to know where 30 is at all times. And that's really the key in the NFL, right? Like, you can have a breakout bunch of games, which is what Austin had over the first four or five games of this year. Teams are going to adjust, and they're going to start designing defenses to stop you, and then it's a question of can you adjust again and continue to produce. And that's really what we're looking at with Austin right now. Which, frankly, should be a good thing for the Chargers when you have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry and Melvin Gordon. If they're going to game plan for Austin Eckler, guess what? We saw what Hunter Henry's done the last three weeks. He's been phenomenal. Mike Williams hasn't had a touchdown this year. Uh, Keenan Allen, I, I know he played hobbled uh, last week, but if you're going to game plan for Austin Eckler, there's Pro Bowl players on this offense or uh, Pro Bowl caliber players on this offense that should have one-on-one opportunities. Yeah, that's that's the guy I keep going back to that like has to step up right now. Like They need Mike Williams to step up and be a number 7 overall pick type of guy, be the 11-touchdown guy he was last year. Because you, I mean, it's crazy to me because you see these flashes. That, that catch he had in double coverage, I mean, like that, you could do that every play. Yeah. You could do that every play. Just and go up gonna, and get it. He's, and it, it happens all the time. He goes up and gets it. He, he had a drop in the end zone. There's like a couple plays that he, he could have made where he could have scored touchdowns. But that's the guy, to me, like you're, if, if, if opposing secondaries are, are locking in on 13 on Keenan Allen and, and, and opposing defenses are locking in on, on Austin Eckler, like the guy that has to step up right now is Mike Williams, and we just haven't seen it yet. It's crazy to me that at this point in his career, he still doesn't have a 100-yard game. I'm, I'm still amazed by that jump. Boy, he must have jumped at least four feet it's in the air. It's a phenomenal yeah. catch, man. <laughs> Phenomenal. Get that ball, but just to not have a touchdown for having eleven total touchdowns a year ago is is kind of strange for me. But you get the sense that Philip really wants to get him involved. He keeps going his way. I think he's had more targets than Keenan Allen the last three weeks. But it just seems like he gets that one big catch, and the rest are kind of you know you know small throws here and there. But you you get the sense that Philip is really trying. Uh, but maybe it's on, on Mike just kind of you know you know deliver a little more. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Um, like Daniel just said that he has, doesn't have a hundred yard game. He's not, he's only his high high is like eighty something, 83. right? So yeah, so he's not. It's not like he's been even really close. And the fact that he has no touchdowns is unbelievable. When you look at him, he looks he looks the part so much, and then he makes plays that are absolute that only a handful of players in the league can make. And yet it's it's odd. There's so many games where at the end of the game you look and he has four catches for fifty two yards, yeah. and you, and you think. How does he not have a bigger impact on yeah. on the game when you look at what he can do and what we've seen we see him make these plays all the time you see him making these plays in practice and training camp you know it's there but yet for some reason on Sunday he just has not had that one you know eight reception 142 touchdown game that you that you assume is in there somewhere and it just hasn't it hasn't shown itself especially in the game, remember like early on in the season after Keenan Allen that huge start and. He started getting double covered in a bunch of games, particularly that Broncos game. Like those are the games where you expect Mike Williams to come out and be like, "Okay, I'm getting single covered. Like I'm going to go dominate this guy because he can be double coverage." That's what we saw on Sunday. Yep. You can throw yeah. the ball up to him, and double coverage is going to catch it. So why isn't he making more of an impact in, in, against single coverage when people are keying in on Keenan? And here, here's a stat for you that I put in my notebook last week. So. Uh, like 15 players in the league last year had 11 or more touchdowns. Only three have not had a touchdown this season. One of them is Kareem Hunt, who hasn't played. One of them is Devontae Adams, who has not played because of injury. And one of them is Mike Williams. Yep. And he's the only guy, really, that's been that's played you know seven games. You, know, you only missed one game because of the, the knee or the back, whichever one it was. Yeah. yeah. Another name I'm interested in. It may not be this Sunday, but it could be down the line. 
Justin Jackson's off the injury report. And I'll just say this, the first three games of the year, yards per carry were, were pretty impressive. So I don't know if there's room for carries for Justin on Sunday. We'll see. But it's a guy who showed some production early on. They were running the, the football okay the first two, three games of the year. And then Michael Badgley, the return of Michael Badgley. It looks like we're finally going to see him on Sunday, guys. Yeah, money bags. Uh, he had so many game winners last year. And we've just been watching him on the sidelines, you know, you know, chewing on sunflower seeds with sunglasses. But now he's going to be <laughs> out there kicking field goals. And he's, he's finally ready to go. But it's like the biggest mystery of the whole season. Like, what's going on with Badgley? It's like the number one question I get on Twitter. What's going on with money bags? And we'll finally maybe get some answers this week. But according to Anthony Lynn, he's ready to go. And let's see what he has. I don't think kicking has really lost this team any games this year. Which is Maybe I mean, Detroit. That's it, though. Yeah. Maybe, t- maybe time Detroit. is too in Detroit, but I mean, he would be the first one to tell you that he he feels terrible about that about that game. I mean, that's really the only one that I could even point to. But like, they still were in field goal range, you know, with less than two minutes remaining, and Rivers threw that interception to Darius Lay in the corner. So you know, there's plenty of blame to go around. Yeah, so special teams, obviously a, a boost. Hopefully, if you get the Badgley of last year, the five field goal Badgley uh, in the Baltimore Wild Card game, uh, you solidify that position. But again, this is a game that. You win it, you're four or five, and all of a sudden you got Oakland and Kansas City on deck. But the key is you got to win it. How do you do it? You cover. Like that to <laughs> me is like the the most important thing because every single week you've had coverage breakdowns. Yeah, I mean Anthony, I asked him about coverage breakdowns. He said it's not coverage breakdowns. It's just guys running wide, wide, it's open. I don't even know if I can say that on this, but that's what he said. <laughs> <Yeah>. Quoting Anthony, <laughs> I'll um, try to bleep it. Yeah. yeah, but just like I mean, even like the Taylor Gabriel overthrow from Trubisky right before the fumble in the fourth quarter. Like, that's a really fast wide receiver running against Thomas Davis wide open, and it's just a coverage breakdown. You had a coverage breakdown on the final drive. They almost lost the game because they let a receiver run wide open for a 22-yard gain. Like, if Mitch Trubisky is finding those receivers, you can bet that Aaron Rodgers is going to be finding those receivers. And so they got to cover. They can't have those types of breakdowns because guess what? Aaron Rodgers is not missing that throw over the top. Never. You know, you can get lucky with Mitch Trubisky, but you're not going to get lucky with Aaron Rodgers. And But I just don't know if they're at that point with the number of young guys they have in the secondary. Um, and, and even at linebacker, Drew Tranquil is playing a lot of snaps on passing downs. Um, you know, I just I, I have a gut feeling that the coverage is just not going to be there and Aaron, Aaron Rodgers can be able to pick them apart. I don't remember the last time Aaron Rodgers had a reliable running back, a dual threat like an Aaron Jones, who has caught a ton of balls, but he's also been pretty reliable in the run game as well. When you have... That one-two punch, it just makes Rodgers that much more dangerous because they've been winning without Devontae Adams. So you get Devontae Adams back, Rodgers spreads the ball around, but but Jones has been spectacular this year. They're going to have to count for him. I think they have a chance because they have two guys playing like at an elite Pro Bowl level as Joey Bosa and Casey Hayward. Yep. So maybe Joey Bosa could disrupt the running game with Aaron Jones and then Casey Hayward can at least take away one receiver to kind of help out Rashawn Jenkins and Roger Teamer. And even Desmond King's been playing pretty well too. So they have guys there to kind of, you know, you know, hold up against Aaron Rodgers, but we saw against Deshaun Watson that when he moves around the pocket, you're not going to stick to those receivers. He's going to burn you, and Aaron Rodgers does that a little better than Deshaun Watson. Do you think it helps at all, Jeff, that, that Casey used to practice against Rodgers in Green Bay? I, I don't know. <laughs> like that to find out. It's going to help any. Uh, but the, the one thing that I would be concerned about if I was a Charger uh, fan or if I was in the in the room with the defense is the, I, the, it's not it doesn't take a lot of imagination to to, to envision this game coming down to a, an Aaron Rodgers moment and him ex, we've we, we've heard him talk the Chargers this week about the how he can extend plays and we know what that means he starts running around and they can't get him on the ground as good as Joey Bosa has been playing if if they can't get him on the ground he's gonna he's, he's gonna stall he's gonna and it's so hard to it, we've seen Daniel's right but these guys have had a hard time covering some of these guys we've heard a lot of this. These third down conversions, you've got to play tighter, and we've got to we've got to stick to guys. Your more. eyes are in the wrong place. You've heard a lot of that. And mm-hmm. when he starts running around, I could see this game coming down to a couple of those plays that he's he has made his entire. That's how he's built his entire career and his Hall of Fame career on making those plays. I could see it coming down to those plays, and and it, I, you know, as a defense here, once he if you can't get him on the ground, it becomes really difficult. I think maybe the biggest key to this game is which pass rush duo is going to play better. Is it going to be the Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith crew who has 15 sacks combined, I think tops in the league for, for teammates, or is it going to be Bosa and Ingram? Bosa has been on another level and the fact that Melvin Ingram is back, I, I think the energy and just what he brings from a, from a leadership standpoint is big, but just his presence 
Again, we were doing another X's and O's segment this week on just the tr- like he was triple team one time that left Bosa one on one against a tackle. That's what I said last week. I said that exact thing because you brought up Mel Ingram as your player to watch, and I said, you know, obviously the leadership and and the presence that you're talking about, but also just like you have to account for him. And when those guys are rushing, he was the, doing that stand up that Joey was doing. Yep, when you're rushing from the same side, the guard and is going to have to focus on on Mel in that situation. So Joey's going to get a one on one with the tackle if you're not chipping him. And, you know, I talked to Damian Square this week. He's like, if you don't triple team Joey Bosa, he's going to get to the quarterback. One key, though, is Russell. Russell Okung. Is he going to, how much is he going to be able to play with the calf injury? I, I mean, I went back and watched the tape last week, and he was outstanding in pass protection against Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd. Um, Sam Tevy and, and Michael Schofield also did a great job on the right side. But just having a left tackle there, I mean, there were multiple snaps where Russell Okung took that, took a pass rusher on one on one, whether it was Khalil Mack or Leonard Floyd, and just dealt with them. And gave Philip Rivers time to throw. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that Mike Williams pass in the in the corner of the end zone where he almost had the touchdown. Khalil Mack came off the edge, one on one against Russell Okung. He stood him up and gave Philip time to to deliver that ball to Mike Williams. So if he's on the field, it's a completely different offensive line and pass protection. Um, will he be able to play a and b? If he does, how long will he be able to play and how much? It's a key too. All right, we do it every week. Who should I pick to? See, Pop's always ready. He's always on. He's boom. It's this young kid, the young mind. He's boom. I'm on it. All right, go ahead. Philip Rivers is the guy to watch. The young mind. And here's why. Because Shane Steichen is 34 years old, three years younger than Philip Rivers, and he's calling his first ever NFL game. And I don't care if you've been doing it in your head. I don't care if you've worked under a bunch of really great offensive coaches. And this is nothing against him. I'm just saying, when you're in the thick of things, it changes. And you've got to make quick decisions. And you have your scripted plays, obviously, around the game. But later in the game, you've got to make decisions. Big decisions with an entire fan base counting on you, and um, that's difficult. And so I think Philip Rivers is going to have a huge impact on how this all comes together because he's, as Shane Steichen said earlier today, maybe the best football IQ of all time. I mean, this is a guy that's able to change plays at the line. This is a guy who's able to read defenses, point out the mic on every single play. He gets his team in the right right protection in the right play. I think he's going to be key in helping Shane Sykin transition and be able to call this game effectively. He's going to, definitely going to be relying on Phillip Rivers big time. So I think his presence in there is going to be enormous for this offense as they try and transition. I thought it was interesting that Shane Steichen's so close with North Turner. And I mean, you well, go back Norv to, gave him his first shot in, in yeah. Cleveland. Yeah, but you you go back to Norv calling plays for the Super Bowl champion Cowboys. I mean, that's one of the best play callers of all time, starting with the, the triplets in Dallas all the way through. You know, his career obviously as a head coach with the Chargers and the Redskins and the Raiders, uh, not as stellar as his offensive coordinator days, but a pretty nice connection to lean on as your your first week as a play caller. Before I make my pick, I, I want to you know. You know, bring up uh, Philip Rivers' mustache going up against Aaron Rodgers' mustache. So I'm pretty excited for that. <laughs> what did you think there. of the Phil stash? It was it was yeah, uh, nice. it was surprising. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was trying to channel his inner Gardner Minshew. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Minshew mania or Halloween or something. But yeah. um, I'm, it's probably the easy choice. But I'm, I'm going Melvin Gordon. Uh, we saw the flash a week ago with the 19 yard touchdown. Uh, you know, the burst of speed, the cutting. The power. He had three guys on him and he got into the end zone. So uh, a big game like this with a lot of people watching. You know, show them, show them who you are. You're a two-time Pro Bowler, star running back who came who came back, who was supposed to help this team out, help them out in a big way. And in a in a game you guys really need. I feel like this this three-game stretch is very crucial for the, for to make or break this season. So if Melvin Gordon has like a hundred-yard game with two touchdowns and help this team out the way he wanted to in Nashville, you know why not do it now? A little Melvin Nor- Gordon nugget for our listeners. Prior to last week's game, he was listening to some hardcore rap while he probably did his pregame routine with his Wisconsin visor app. Last week, switched to some softer, jazzy-type music. Scores a 19-yard touchdown. I have to check in with him tomorrow, but I'll see what <laughs> music he's going to listen to before the game. And this is uh, extremely important information. That yeah. genre could dictate what happens. He said he was he was listening to rap. It was too hardcore. He was getting too hyped up. Went with something a little softer, a little more vibey. 19-yard touchdown, obviously. Correlation and causation there. Stats. Wow. Mind blown. Mind blown. There you go. Jeff Miller. What do we got? Uh, Follow that. Follow that. Wow. Uh, I am going to go with my... Jeff, uh, what's on your iPod? My, <laughs> oh, you mean his Walkman. Yeah. Whoa. There it is. There it is. Sorry, I we almost, yeah, we almost got through it. I got then, teed up. And then, yeah, Chris just that, teed me that up, was, man. That was... Uh, you, were, you were teed up pretty good there. Uh, you know, I'm going to stick in the backfield. I think... I think we're on to something with Austin Eckler. I think we got a new uh, new guy calling plays. I think they're are going. They know as much as everybody as much you know, as as well as anybody else does that they he was not used enough last week. I think we're going to see 
more of Austin early, and I think they're going to try to get him going. And I think uh, it, it, I, I, I'm, I'm I'm very confident in the fact that there he's going to touch the ball more than five times this week. So I'll I'll go with Austin and and have, having a big game. Bet the mortgage on that over. <laughs> You'd over think five right touches. over I mean, five touches. Oh, yeah. You would yep, yep. you would <laughs> think five. that'd be pretty safe, but yeah. you you know we we thought some other things were pretty safe with this team, and we and we saw how that went. Let's just go clean sweep on offense. Mike Williams. Yeah. Maybe this is it. It's week nine. Get a touchdown. Maybe two. Make this offense a little bit more balanced and try to get a win against these Packers. You're going to need all of your weapons. And uh, Matt Schneidman, who covers the Packers for the Athletic. My guy. Yeah. Matt Matt said that uh, Hunter Henry's going to have a big day because yeah. the Packers have had uh, a lot of struggles with the tight end. Hmm. So I look at Hunter, but I do look at Mike and those splash plays that he makes every five or six series, maybe a little bit more consistent this Sunday against the Packers. We'll see. Yeah, I think Hunter's do. I mean, he's been phenomenal since he's come back and, and also has been open a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was the one puzzling thing is why weren't they going to him more and why weren't, you know, even last week, you know, yeah, like it took the him targets, a while to get him involved. Felt like week. the targets. Yeah, they didn't, for, they they were, really, for a team that wasn't moving the ball at all, they, yeah. I was surprised how long it took. There's a couple of to, targets at him that, that missed, but like he's the type of guy that like just feed him. Like, yeah, yeah. Run him on team routes and feed him because he's open all the time. Over routes, he's open. He gets open. He's got strong hands. I think he could be due for a big game for sure. We all went on offense. I think that's telling, right? Aaron Rodgers on the other side. I think this could be a high-scoring game. So, all right, guys, always fun. We'll do it next week. We'll see you at the stadium. All right, let's get to these questions, y'all boys. Yo, Jack boys, how do you get the girls? What does it takes to get the girls? <laughs> no fake energy. No oh fake. God. I hate no fake energy. Chargers fans, be sure to check out Dear Jack Boys presented by Pepsi and take all football celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown or a defensive stop on the goal line, when it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. Pepsi, a proud sponsor of the Los Angeles Chargers, reminds you to always be celebrating. All right, to get this week's Opposing View, presented by Mercury Insurance, we bring in Matt Schneidman, who covers the Green Bay Packers for The Athletic. Matt, it's been a while, buddy. How you doing? Chris, how are you? I'm doing Good really well. Good to talk well. to you again. Hey, man, it's great talking to you. Listen, the Packers coming to L.A. 7-1, fresh off a win against the Chiefs last Sunday night. Aaron Rodgers was fantastic, 300 yards, three touchdowns. But Aaron Jones has been quite the story this season, man. 226 total yards, a pair of touchdowns, an arrowhead. Who's the more dangerous Aaron at this point? Is it Rodgers or Jones? <laughs> it's always got to be Rodgers, I think. I, I think Aaron Jones has been maybe the biggest breakout player, surprise, whatever you want to call it, in the entire league. But uh, I think Rodgers is always the most dangerous just because you've seen what he's done with he hasn't had his best wide receiver for the past four games and they've been four and oh and scored the second most points per game in that span without Devontae Adams and and they don't exactly have great depth at wide receiver but what Rodgers has been able to do with that group making uh, a couple undrafted wide receivers look good a fifth rounder a 32 year old tight end he's thrown his running backs Um, I think Aaron Rodgers has thrust himself back into the MVP discussion albeit against not the greatest defenses, Chiefs, Raiders, Lions, uh, Cowboys. So obviously these next couple weeks will will test that theory a little bit further, but I, I would have to go with Rodgers. This Matt LaFleur offense, what's unique about it in, in terms of Rodgers and how it correlates to what Aaron Rodgers was doing with Mike McCarthy? How is it different? Yeah, well, the main thing is, as you alluded to, it involves the running backs in the passing game a lot more. And Aaron Jones has far eclipsed his receiving numbers from 24 games under Mike McCarthy in his first eight games under Matt LaFleur. There was a big emphasis put on uh, using running backs outside the tackles in the receiving game. Not just Jones, but Jamal Williams as well. Um, They talked that up preseason, beginning of the season. We didn't really see it that much. And then all of a sudden, a couple of weeks ago, Aaron Jones uh, against Dallas. And then the past couple of weeks, he had a receiving touchdown against the Raiders. Had two receiving touchdowns yesterday. Now leads the NFL in receiving touchdowns. Has, has three in the past four weeks. Had won his first 24 games of his career. So I think that would be the biggest thing, just getting those running backs involved in the receiving game. And then also just allowing Rodgers to operate within the pocket. We know Rodgers is arguably the best of all time at operating off schedule and making plays, you know, 
outside the tackles, if, if you want to say that when plays break down. But uh, Mike McCarthy would purposely practice off-schedule plays and purposely practice plays breaking down. Matt LaFleur doesn't do that. Uh, if a play breaks down, so be it. But it operates a lot more on Rodgers inside the pocket. And, and I think that has been good for him. And you said it, Devontae Adams hasn't even been in the lineup the last four games. What does he mean to this offense, and how much more explosive is it with Adams? A lot more explosive. I mean, before he got injured. So he got injured week four with about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter against the Eagles. After a long uh, catch catch and run, went down, turf toe, his right big toe. Um, he had a career-high 180 receiving yards up to that point. And then you already saw, you know, what his absence meant because after his absence the Packers ran 10 plays inside the Eagles or eight plays inside the Eagles 10 yard line in the final 10 minutes they didn't score once Adams is their best red zone threat led the NFL in red zone touchdowns last year and that was their only loss that game Jones and some others have helped compensate for that but um, it's just another guy to take the focus away from all these other guys Adams is one of the best off the line of scrimmage one of the best route runners in the NFL probably a top five receiver um, so he, he just really opens things up for everyone else. And I think we actually just got done watching practice and he seems to be running full speed routes for the first time in a little over a month. So I, if I had to guess, I, I'd say he plays this Sunday for the first time since week four. You know, I tell you, Phillip Rivers versus Aaron Rodgers, of course, that's a marquee quarterback matchup. But we talk about Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen. Those guys may be one, two in terms of just pure route running in the NFL, Matt. Absolutely, yeah. I think Keenan Allen is a phenomenal route runner. You put them right up there with the the DeAndre Hopkins, the Julio Jones of the league. Um, I would definitely put Keenan Allen in the top five right there with Adams, and, and that'll be a great matchup to watch. And I'm interested to see if they shadow Adams if he plays mm. with the former Packer and Casey Hayward. I think that would be a great matchup too. That's right, and and Casey, I know, excited to play his former team and and reunite with Rodgers on the field in Los Angeles. Let's get into this quarterback matchup. The the last time these two teams played, Phillip Rivers actually had a career high in completions, attempts, and passing yards. I think 503 passing yards. When these two guys get together, man, it's one of those things where you may not see it again. This could be the last time we see Rivers versus Rodgers. Yeah, I think you're definitely going to see a lot of offense in this game. And, and R- while Rivers might not put up those career highs again, he'll definitely have his numbers. This Packers pass defense has taken a dip off from their first three games of the season. They haven't been as good. Um, so I definitely think with guys like Hunter Henry, this, I'll say this, Packers have had some serious trouble guarding tight ends this year. Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller. And I think Henry's going to have a big day. I think Keenan Allen can have a big day. Um, their pass defense has really struggled, so I would expect some similar numbers and a nice little shootout, if you will. Um, but it, it's hard to bet against Aaron Rodgers in a shootout, but if there's anyone uh, that can stack up with him, Philip Rivers has to be in those few guys that can. Let's talk about this defense with Mike Pettin, and, and you got the, the Smith brothers and, and Preston and Zadarius, who I think had two sacks last week against the Chiefs. Uh, what's been the biggest difference in the defense? It seems like this is more of a, of a team this year in that it's not just reliant on Rodgers getting things done. They're really counting on all three phases. Yeah, the pass rush, I think, has been better. I'll, I'll start with that because uh, the Packers have the most sacks among any two teammates of any duo in the NFL, if that makes sense. You know, Zedarius has eight, Preston has seven right now. Uh, both new Packers, big free agent acquisitions that they signed to really big money. And at the time, people didn't know if it would be worth it, but it has been. And not just, you know, on the field, but the leadership they've brung in the locker room. You know, teammates voted Zedarius a captain. Preston is a big presence in that locker room as well. But I, I would say it starts there. Um, those first three games of the season, they were really good against, albeit Trubisky, Cousins when he was struggling, and Joe Flacco. The only real, like, threats of quarterbacks they've played are Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz, I would say, and Kirk Cousins, but mm. he was kind of in a funk then. So Rivers will be a good test for them. Um, their secondary and their linebacking core isn't great, so it's really going to have to be up to that pass rush to disrupt Phillip Rivers um, and that Chargers offensive line. 
What are the Packers saying about coming to Los Angeles to face this Chargers team? Obviously, they beat the the Packers' rivals in the Bears off that missed field goal by Eddie Pinero on Sunday. What's the Pack saying about coming west? Yeah, so we'll get to talk to the players for the first time here in a couple minutes about that. But just talking to LaFleur, it'll be they're heading out on Friday a little day early, probably to just adjust to the time change. But, uh, I mean, listen, you know this, everyone knows this. It'll probably be a lot more Packers fans there just because they travel so well. But as Anthony Lynn told us today, um, you know, you, you don't play the fans. You, you play the team that you're playing. So I think it'll be interesting for to see how the Packers adjust to that environment. Uh the first of two trips to California in the next couple games. They got the 49ers there. So this will be the Packers' first trip out west this year. I'm interested to see kind of how, how they adjust to that time change and, and whether that extra day out there gives them any help. Matt, give us a few players that you've been impressed with on this Packers team that maybe Chargers fans don't know about, maybe some under-the-radar guys that you think could have an impact in Week 9. Yeah, I would say, let's see, I'll go first. Elton Jenkins, he's their rookie left guard. And I know, you know, people don't really watch left guards when they watch games, but uh, they took him with a pretty high pick in the second round this year. He filled in starting week two after their uh, original starting left guard, Lane Taylor, went down with a season-ending injury. He's been really good. He's been one of the best rookies in the league, I would say. Left guards obviously don't get a lot of recognition, and he'll be key to getting that run game going against the Chargers front that I still think is one of the best in the league. So I would say Jenkins and then Darnell Savage, you know, I think he, he I, I wouldn't say he's drawing Derwin James comparisons, but uh, they traded up in the first round to take on the safety out of Maryland. He's missed the last two games, came back against the Chiefs uh, this Sunday night. He's a really, really hard hitting safety. And if anyone to compare him to, I think it might be James, obviously not quite to his level yet. And I know James is injured, but. Uh, a really hard-hitting safety that I think fans will enjoy watching regardless of what team they're rooting for. Let's go back to Jenkins and really just that Packers offensive line for a minute with Bosa and Ingram. Now, Melvin Ingram was out for three games. He came back against the Bears, and we just did an X's and O's segment with Daniel Jeremiah just showcasing how much better Joey Bosa is, if you can even say that, with Melvin Ingram on the field. Uh, How do you think they combat this one-two punch of Bosa and Ingram? going to be tough and and, you know the Packers have one of the best tackle duos in the league and Brian Bulaga and David Bakhtiari two veterans Bulaga kind of nicked up his hand uh, against the Chiefs so it'll be interesting to he said in the locker room told some other reporters not myself um, that he wouldn't wear a club over it I mean he was out there practicing today so we'll see what he can do this week they're going to have to throw some double teams at him their running backs have been pass blocking well so they're going to probably try a little bit of that too but I guarantee you they're going to get their fair share of sacks. I mean, I would say that's probably the best pass rushing duo in the league, and there's only so much you can do to, to limit them because you can't really stop them entirely. Yeah, Rodgers, he was sacked, what, five times against the Chiefs, Matt? Uh, against the Chiefs, I believe it was four or five. Yeah, I'd have to check that. But uh, the Packers O-line hadn't let up more than two sacks in a game since week one. Wow. And uh, then they slipped up a little bit against the Chiefs. So a uh, little weak right now. and. Definitely, Bosa and Ingram are not two guys you want to see after that. Matt, final thing for you, man. What do you think is going to decide this game? Obviously, the the Packers are rolling. Chargers, they need this to kind of stay in the hunt there in the AFC. What do you think is going to decide it? I honestly, like I said, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to come down to the clutch quarterback play in the fourth quarter. Um, And this might annoy your audience, but and this isn't even – just because I watch him practice every day, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers over anyone if, if it comes down to a shootout in the fourth quarter. I mean, we saw it a little bit last week against the Chiefs. Um, and that's not me saying Philip Rivers doesn't have that clutch in him. Like I said, he's if I had to pick anyone other than Rodgers, Rivers might be one of those guys. So I think it'll come down to whichever quarterback can make that one clutch throw in the fourth quarter because I think this game will be 30-30, somewhere in that range for both teams. What's interesting, too, a new play caller and Shane Steichen for the Chargers. So that's kind of the unknown going into Week 9 is how is the running game versus the passing game? Is it going to be more of a balance this week, or are they going to have to air it out like they've had the past few weeks? Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely interested to see uh, how that changes things for them, if if at all. Awesome stuff. 
We look forward to seeing you in Los Angeles, man. Thanks so much for the time. Awesome, Chris. Thanks. See you this weekend. All right, a big thanks to Matt Schneidman for joining us. And guys, we know you love the Chargers, but you also probably love saving money too. And Mercury Insurance can help you with that because Chargers fans save an average of $769 with Mercury. That'll get you great seats for the next game and jerseys for the whole family too. So what are you waiting for? Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com to see how much you could save. It only takes a few minutes to switch and it could save you a lot of money. Don't wait. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com. Savings info based on 2019 California Department of Insurance rate comparison profile 38A. Individual savings may vary. All right, guys, time for some week nine fantasy talk with my guy Marcus Grant, NFL Media. Marcus, you're everywhere on NFL Network, man. How you hanging in? Oh, man, and we're, we're, we're cruising along, right? We're to week nine. So uh, in terms of the fantasy regular season, we, we got more behind us than we do in front of us now. No doubt. Yeah, we're, we're almost at the playoffs here. We're turning the corner here. You know what, Marcus? We say this every season. This is the craziest fantasy year ever. Is it actually true this year? It's been a weird year, and, and we were talking about this in the office the other day. You know, this has been a year where you know normally you can find a few really good gems off the waiver wire, even this late into the season. That hasn't happened, really, aside from that first week where you know maybe you got a, a Gardner Minshew, maybe there's a Terry McLaurin out there on the waiver wire. Uh, it's been thin. So generally, the, the team you drafted is sort of the team you've had to roll with, unless you can be smart and make some trades. Injuries have really kind of sapped things, and your guys sort of underperforming have kind of killed it. So in that respect, it's been, I think, a, a lot more difficult of a year than any of us anticipated. All right, I want to get into surprises and disappointments. Let's just start with the disappointments because I think to your point, when you draft somebody with a, with a first or second round pick and you're relying on them to give you quality production week in and week out and it doesn't happen and you don't have anything on the waiver wire, you're kind of stuck. Yeah, you know, I mean, a couple names come to mind, especially at the wide receiver position. One of them being, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, it's, it's hard to say that it's completely his fault. You certainly didn't expect that Ben Roethlisberger was going to have the, the arm injury that was going to take him out for the season. So that's really sort of complicated things. And you've got, you know, second and third string quarterbacks playing. Uh, I would say that the Cleveland Browns in general have been another one of them. And I know that on the field, they have been a disappointment. But certainly in fantasy, yeah. we expected more out of Odell Beckham Jr. We expected more out of Baker Mayfield. Nick Chubb has kind of been the only guy in that offense that has performed up to expectations. But the other the other folks there in Cleveland have really caused some frustration. How surprised are you that the Browns are this big of a disappointment, especially with Baker and, and having Odell there and, and Jarvis Landry? I, I think – Fantasy owners came into 2019 expecting a lot more than what they're getting. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I think people expected more production. I you know I, I had this sneaking suspicion, and I mentioned this early on our podcast, uh, our, our fantasy podcast, just before the season started. The one thing that concerned me about the Browns was the fact that you're taking a guy in Freddie Kitchens who, look, you know, early in the last season, he was the running backs coach who was elevated to offensive coordinator and then elevated to the head coaching position. And I thought my, my big concern with it was, you know, it's a different world when you're no longer just tasked with scratching up plays and coming up with a creative offense. Now, all of a sudden, you are more of a CEO of this whole uh, this whole team. You've got to not just focus on the offense. You've got to worry about what the defense is doing, what the special teams are doing. You've got to start managing personalities. And so I thought that there was always a possibility that things could sort of go sideways as Kitchens was sort of trying to learn on the job. And I think we've sort of seen that in the fact that this is a team that has been incredibly undisciplined when it comes to penalties. You've got guys now who are frustrated about not getting the football enough. Uh, and they're just really trying to figure things out. And I think that's always sort of the dangers of not just a first-time head coach, but a first-time head coach that really in his past coaching experience was sort of tasked with just managing one small aspect of a team. Marcus, let's get into surprises. Who surprised you through the first eight weeks? Well, I think one of the biggest surprises is, uh, is right there in your backyard, and it's Austin Eckler. Um, you know, right. we... we you know, people drafted him expecting that he would you know, be a nice play, especially, you know, not knowing what Melvin Gordon's situation was going to be. I don't think anybody expected that through the first, you know, month, six weeks or so that Austin Eckler was going to be a top three fantasy running back. But uh, he's played fantastic all season long. And even now that Melvin is back, Eckler's still finding plenty of opportunities to get the football. He has been uh, just outstanding all year long. So, so he might be number one on my list, followed closely by Gardner Minshew, who nobody really knew what to expect of this guy. You, you get Nick Foles, who's hurt early in the first game of the season. Minshew has stepped in and been 
amazing to the point that now it's a legitimate debate about whether Nick Foles gets his job back once he's healthy. So, you know, credit the magic mustache down there in Jacksonville for doing some really big things. Yeah, man, Gardner getting it done. Let's go back to Austin real quick, though, because when you go into a season and you don't have Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, five receiving touchdowns, he has three rushing touchdowns, and even in limited touches now with Melvin back, he's still making the most of his opportunities. I think now with a new play caller, there's a little bit of an unknown, but it's a must that you got to get the football into Austin Eckler's hands moving forward. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think, you know, the, the good and the bad of it is I know Mike Williams has sort of been inconsistent and that's been frustrating in a lot of respects, but that has also opened up, I think, more opportunities for Austin. Uh, I know they're, they're trying to move him all over the formation. He's lined up, you know, as a receiver or a tight end on about you know, a quarter of his snaps so far this year. So they're still finding ways to get him to football. It also means that they can put both Austin and Melvin on the field at the same time. So, yes. you know, I, I know people are wondering whether or not Austin Eckler can keep this up. I think he can continue to be productive, as you mentioned, even with limited touches just because every time he gets the ball in his hands he has the potential to turn it into a big play he and Keenan Allen both have 51 receptions on the year and the Chargers they've obviously had trouble running the football they only have four rushing touchdowns Austin has three of those four Uh, we'll get to this matchup with the Packers here in a second but just some streaming options for week nine you got four teams on a bye including the Saints and the Rams you got Falcons and Bengals as well but let's say quarterback. Let's say you have a, a Drew Brees or you know a Matt Ryan who obviously got hurt a week prior. Are there any options for Week Nine that you're high on? Uh, absolutely. Uh, Derek Carr is one of them who you know very quietly is having a good season there, and um, you know it, it doesn't always translate to fantasy, but he's been incredibly efficient. He's protecting the football, and this week he's got a Lions secondary that that is very vulnerable. I mean, you've got Darius Slay there, but beyond that, uh, you can kind of pick apart that that defensive backfield there. So I I like Derek Carr a lot. The other one is Josh Allen. I know the weather might not be great in D.C. this weekend where they're playing Washington, um, but he's a guy who has he's done pretty well so far this season, and. He has what we call those fantasy cheat codes. Like he can get out and he can run the football, mm. pick up those hidden yards on the ground, and that, that's always nice. Especially uh, if he can get you a rushing touchdown, which uh, you know kind of adds an extra bonus. So those are the two guys that I would really try to, to gravitate toward this week. All right, running back. Obviously, Alvin Kamara has been hurt, but if you're in a pinch at running back, the Rams are on a bye. No Ty Gurley. Uh, what are you doing here? Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know if Latavius Murray is still out there in a lot of leagues. He might not be, but if he is, go grab him because I think there's still a role for him, even you know with a healthy Kamara in that offense. The other name that might surprise some people is Mark Walton down in Miami, mm. uh, especially now that they have traded Kenyon Drake to Arizona. That backfield completely opens up. I don't. I think they are sort of done with the Kalen Balage experiment down there with the Dolphins. That that didn't quite work out. So we saw it. In fact, uh, on Monday night against the Steelers, Mark Walton got a heavy workload. And I think this week, especially against the Jets, uh, it's a pretty positive matchup. I think wide receiver when Cooper Cup is on a bye and Michael Thomas, and you have one of those guys in your lineup, you're probably searching for some options. Who do you got? Yeah, uh, you know, Ty, I mentioned Derek Carr is a quarterback streaming option. Tyrell Williams, I think, uh, kind of corresponds with that. He scored a touchdown in every game he's played so far this year and getting a lot of end zone looks from Carr there. Uh, another name that's sort of crept up in the last couple of weeks is Chris Conley down in Jacksonville. And this is a guy who kind of flashed some talent with, during his time with the Chiefs, never quite, you know, kind of hooked on, especially when you get, you know, Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins showing up there. But the last couple of weeks, he's made some big plays down there for the Jaguars. And it looks like he and Gardner Minshew seem to have a little bit of a going. All right, tight end and defense, Marcus. Now, defense, if you have the Saints, you're probably searching for somebody this week. And then from a tight end perspective, Hooper down in Atlanta, uh, he's had a good year. Any options at tight end or defense this week? Yeah, tight end has been maybe the biggest headache, I think, for everybody in fantasy <laughs> yes, this year. Yes. Uh, and it has been it has been awful. But uh, I would say that the, the one name to keep in mind, Chris Herndon is trying to work his way back with the Jets. Uh, keep him kind of in your back pocket in case he plays. If he doesn't, then Ryan Griffin is the guy this week going against the Miami Dolphins. Um, you know, look, I, it is it it's sort of been a crapshoot trying to trying to you know use that tight end spot. So that was going to be tough. Uh, defensively, though, and trust me, I'm a guy who has the Saints in a couple of weeks, so I've been sort of looking around. Uh, the Cleveland Browns this week look like a very good option with the Broncos being forced to start Brandon Allen right now. So go. the Browns are available in a lot of leagues. You can stream them. The Broncos might be available in some of your leagues as well because they're on the other side of that game, and, and Baker Mayfield has struggled turning the ball over this year. So the Broncos, if they're out there, another good pick for you. 
There you go. Let's get into this Packers-Chargers matchup. I just had Matt Schneidman of The Athletic, who covers the Packers. He thinks this is going to be a shootout, and if that's the case, it could be some fantasy gold. What do you see in this game, Marcus? Yeah, I do think this is going to be a pretty high-scoring game. I mean, it, it looks like if what we've seen the last week or two from Aaron Rodgers is the truth. Uh, that he's sort of figured some things out in this Matt LaFleur offense, and this Packer offense is really starting to roll, especially uh, they've used Aaron Jones as a Swiss Army knife, and, and he's been great as both a runner and a receiver. Same goes with Jamal Williams. So, you know, the, the Packers are going to move the football. They're going to score some points, but they will give up some points too. Um, you know, they, they struggle, especially in that secondary. So I think this is a week where you can look at Phillip Rivers. Uh, I think, you know, Keenan Allen, hopefully, if he's healthy and ready to go, uh, will be able to be productive this week. Hunter Henry as well. So I think I think I think he's right. I think this is a game that could be one. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch from a football perspective, but I think for a fantasy perspective as well, uh, there's a lot of production to be had. You mentioned that the headache at tight end Hunter Henry last three games back, 18 catches, 244 yards, two touchdowns. If you have him on your roster, he's he's probably a, a must start each and every week at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a guy that we were super excited about coming into the season. It, it really sucked that he had the injury early in the year and had to miss some games. But now that he's back, uh, he's one of those guys in a very thin position in fantasy that you feel like you can put him in your lineup and sort of set it and forget it and expect that he's going to get his targets every week. Melvin Gordon, I have to ask you about him because the last four weeks, fewer than 40 yards as a team rushing the football for the Chargers. I think people are still waiting for him to pop and have a, a Melvin Gordon game similar to what we've seen the last couple of years. What are you doing with Melvin Gordon in Week 9? Yeah, he has become just sort of a conundrum, right? Because you know the potential is there for him to go out and have a big week, but it just it just really hasn't happened yet. So I think a lot of folks, I mean, I think a lot of folks in fantasy are trying to figure out if they can maybe package him in a trade, but I think you, you kind of put him in your lineup as a flex uh, and hope that at some point they get things going. And I think this is where you, you have a little bit of optimism now that there is a new play caller there that maybe uh, they, they do some things to sort of unlock Melvin Gordon because we know what he can be at his best. Yeah. We know that he is, you know, the potential to be a top five fantasy running back. It just hasn't happened. And I think, you know, look, we, we can be a stubborn, frustrating bunch sometimes as fantasy managers. And I think there's a lot of people who are just holding on, waiting for that big game to come. Marcus, as I said at the top, you do so much at NFL Network. Promote everything you guys got going on because it's a lot from podcasts to, to shows. You got everything. Yeah, man, we're doing everything. Uh, you know, first off, there, there's uh, fantasy or NFL Fantasy Live that's on NFL Network Monday through Friday. You can see that at, uh, at 3 o'clock Pacific time. Uh, and then we've got our fantasy football podcast that comes out uh, three times a week now, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so you can catch all of those. Uh, and then we're doing a new thing this year called NFL Fantasy League One, which is uh, a bunch of us analysts that work here at the network, uh, along with some celebrities playing in a big fantasy league. And you can find that uh, at NFL.com, or if you have the NFL Fantasy app, it airs live in there. And that's uh, pretty much on game day. So Monday, uh, Sunday, Monday, and Thursday, uh, you can find that show there. So, yeah, we, we I find more places than the law allows. So, uh, but but uh, come come find me in some form or other. Wait, is that fantasy? Is that Erica Tamposi? Is she one of the the celebrities yeah. that you guys that you guys are well, referring to? She's technically one of the analysts here, but uh, yeah, the celebrities we've got uh, Cody and Brandy Rhodes from uh, AEW Wrestling. We've got Kane Brown, the country singer. We've got uh, Candace Patton, who, if you watch The Flash, you know her as Iris West. So it's a fun group that we've got this year. Awesome, man. Well, Marcus, always great catching up with you, man. I wish you the best of luck down the stretch, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you here soon. Hey, good time, Chris. Take care. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to Marcus Grant, Matt Schneiman, and our beat writers for joining me. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the game this Sunday. And until next time, I'm Chris Harry.